What's up, my beautiful people? This is your host, Anthony Mitchell, and you are here with us at the End Zone Club. And here at the End Zone Club, we have conversations that are designed to cause us to walk from just being in potential to actually fulfilling purpose. And today, before I even introduce my special guest, I would like to encourage you to like, share, rate, and subscribe to the content. Help us to continue our mission, which is to reach the four corners of the earth doing what we do but with that said i would like to ask my special guest none other than brother walt harris how you doing today sir good morning my brother and good morning to you it's great to be back on with you as as usual love it thank you thank you thank you but i know it's been a minute my brother since you have been on this platform uh, when we first got ready to launch this podcast, you were one of the first friends of influence that jumped on and supported us in more ways than one. So I got to start off with asking, how have you been since your last appearance? You know, during this season of my life, I cannot complain at all. Uh, life has been good to me as good as I've been treating it. And, and that's the, the main thing, you know, uh, Life will come, but how you handle situations, how you ponder on it, how you think about it, it's always going to be, uh, you know, indicative of, of where, you know, your mindset is and, and how you're thinking on and perceiving situations. So, and so for me, um, I'm, I'm trusting God, believing God. Um, life is life. You will get, you know, hurdles, you will get challenges, but at the end of the day, you know, when you know God is on your side, when you know he got your back, um, and you, you're able to then see a lot of the things that he is doing and has already done in your life. So I'm excited about this season of my life. Um, I'm in a position to where I'm still trying to figure and, and, and wait to see exactly what the Lord has. Um, but at the same time, um, I'm excited, really. I knew straight out the gate you were going to have some nuggets you were going to drop on us. So before I get my shovel out and dig us too deeply in this conversation, we're a day removed from Christmas. How how did you guys spend this Christmas? We did this for the second year in a row. We didn't have Christmas at home. We had Christmas away. Uh, we went out um, and drove a few hours um, up north um, in, in Florida. Um, so we you know, just got on the resort and took some time and, um, you know, and just, and just enjoyed one another. Um, um, it was a great experience last year, even better experience this year. Um, mother-in-law came in town and um, a little, little niece and, um, we, we, we had a great time yesterday and, um, it was cold here. <laughs> Is it not usual? cold in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, but it's cold here, so you kind of got a little bit of that traditional uh, Christmas feel uh, with the cold, so we we stayed in and just loved on each other, and, uh, and it was a great feel. Alright, so pivoting real quickly, some of our first time listeners may be unaware of this, but our guest is a former 13-year all-pro defensive back who played at a high level in the NFL, namely with my San Francisco 49ers. But if I didn't get this from you, Walt, to share a story from your playing days, I might get ran off my own show. So if you don't mind, just 
reach into your bag of resources and share one of those stories that impacted you the most? Oh, man, you know, I, I think uh, when I think about once I left the Chicago Bears, was there for six years, actually, you know, you, you're always thinking that you're going to be there for the rest of your career, but not. And then you end up um, um, not renewing your contract. And then you, the Lord is moving on. And so I end up going to play with the Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning. That was that quarterback that I put in my SEC um, competitor with Tennessee. And um, I remember picking him off. Um, you know, as a cornerback, we always have to remember those moments, right? So, um, so I remember, you know, intercepting a couple of his balls during college. And so end up having the opportunity to go and play with Dungy and play um, with Peyton Manning. And um, I remember um, it was something unique about Peyton. You know, you, you realize you watch things all over the television and you wonder why he's playing at a high level. Um, he knows so much. And so when I walked into the locker room, um, getting ready to, to, you know, just being introduced uh, to everyone, getting my equipment equipment, and doing all that. Peyton Manning was one of the first guys that I remember seeing in that locker room. And he walked up to me and it's almost as if he knew everything about me for more than I know about myself. And so um, I, I knew I was in a different place, really, because uh, and, it, and it shared a lot to me about who Peyton was because he studied the game, but he not only studied the game, but he understood and knew about all the players. And so that there um, was something that I remember walking into that locker room and seeing him there and just, uh, you know, he remembered all the college games and everything. I'm like, okay, I get it. I see why he plays at a high level. And then watching him out on the football field, practice field, and watching how he trains and, and all the little, small, little things that many quarterbacks and many athletes would just, you know, skip over. He was a detailed individual uh, from route running to making sure he throws the ball in the right place. And um, yeah, I hadn't seen that, you know, coming from where I was uh, with Chicago, although there were individuals that, you know, had their you know, uh, focus on certain areas. But from a quarterback that played at that high level, you was able to see it live and, 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 and right up front every practice, every day at practice. So that wasn't like a game piece, but I, that's something that I definitely wanted to share that popped up in my mind. You know, it's funny as you're sharing the story about Peyton, I guess I have a story that's kind of remotely related, but not directly. But um, back when I was in high school, was blessed with an opportunity um, through what our actually our youth pastor had an endeavor with the Boys and Girls Club and there was a guest speaker in the house and they extended us and when I say us I mean like the youth in our church an opportunity to come out for maybe like two or three hours um, serve tables and to make it was like $50 back in the 90s right that was a lot of money for a high schooler so of course all of us accepted it um, wasn't a hard night it was a fundraising gala so we're working tables having a good time and there was towards the end of the event there was a weird lull and that um i had stopped working for a moment and i'm by the stage near the guest speaker well as i'm standing there i'm waiting on my next set of instructions and i just happened to look up on the stage and he's he's standing there smiling at me 
And I, you know, just instinctively out of respect, I smiled back. And the guy proceeds to say, hey, man, I just wanted to let you know I noticed you working all night. Like, man, you, you work really hard. Like, never, never lose that. And I smiled at him, you know, just out of, again, out of respect. And the guy said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, I started laughing. I was like, no, sir. You got to understand. I was a goofy kid. And he was like, I'm Peyton's dad. And I was like, Peyton? Peyton who? And they're like, Peyton Manning. And I was like, who is Peyton Manning? <laughs> I was like, oh, Eli's big brother. Because ironically, Cooper was actually sitting there as well. And uh, he was like, hey, man, do you want my autograph? And again, because I didn't know who he was, I was kind of like, I guess. But I really got it for my dad. But the idea that this guy is who was Eli, Peyton's father and Eli and Cooper's dad the kind of person he was, even as the star of the night, he still took the time to recognize the kids and the, the work we were putting in and just giving us that nugget. So Peyton growing up in that environment, of course, he is um, impacted having seen it from a firsthand experience. But for the fans, people like myself that didn't get a chance to see a firsthand experience, I always wanted to hear this from the perspective of a player. But is the NFL a lot like the representation we've been given from like some of the shows like TV shows like the game or ballers or even some of the movies like any given Sunday? Is there any correlation? Well, I haven't honestly, I haven't fully I haven't gotten into what's on ballers. I haven't watched that, that show or whatever, but I, I think I kind of got the gist of it. But for me, coming into the league. I, you know, just growing up from a small town, you know, a big family, the youngest of 13. And um, yeah, it was 13 of us total. And, um, you know, when I got drafted, um, I, I had the perspective of, of really just wanting to make sure I did what I needed to do um, on the field because I realized that this team had put a lot of confidence and trust in me. And I didn't want to. Um, be a letdown and so you know I obviously coming into the league being young you're trying to figure things out you're trying to you know you're, you're trying to fit in at the same time um, you know I I was I, I won't use the word luck but I was extremely blessed by once I got into the league my second year that I was able to you know, isolate my lifestyle around individuals that was extremely positive, down to earth, and had a had a fix on life with with, with their families, really. And so that kind of kept me away from a lot of maybe what's out there, what's being seen, and, and what's being talked about, especially now. Um, I was kind of isolated, and I'm thankful for that today, to be quite honest, because it kept me humble. Um, it kept me in a place of um, just just keeping first thing first really and I would have to say had I not had that I would have to say that I, I probably wouldn't have been in the league as long as I was really and, and I know that firsthand. so um so yeah oh hold up Walt let me grab two shovels real quickly because you've got me to the point in conversation where I want to give you a shovel I get a shovel and let's kind of get deep into this conversation now but I like how you highlighted mentorship can we have an honest conversation about how important this was to your success 
Well, I, I will say this, you know, I, I mentioned about the second year, but I didn't, I didn't tell you about the first year because the first year was one of those challenges, really, when you could come, when you come into the league. And, and I would say I will need to close in that I pondered back on my professional career by actually kind of getting and hanging with other individuals that lifestyle didn't reflect what I what I am and stand for now, and and that could be potentially what that baller uh, perspective that you may be uh, referring to. You kind of like going out, you know, and uh, hanging out in clubs when you know you got to practice the next morning, um, waking up late, um, missing, waking up late for meetings and things such as that. I think you know I I was on a very close verge of of, of 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 hitting that 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 fallout point really you know and it was in it, it was extremely one of those times where I, I see myself having the potential of getting caught up and and being that that player that just kind of fell off the map um, because of the lifestyle and I and I'm so glad that I did have the mentorship of the individual that eventually came into my life to help me or to give me a, a different perspective on things. Um, and so, yeah, um, as far as me looking at individuals or pondering on, I, I didn't really gauge into every, every people's lifestyle or kind of like what happened. I, I didn't really pay much mind to those things really because the individuals that I kind of like was with for the most part were family oriented individuals, married guys, um, and just, just kind of just living life that, that had a, that had a slow pace to it. To that point, I do want to say that some of us are only as strong as our support system. And there are some of us that allow our environment to shape who we are, which in turn affects how far we go in life. I, how many times have we mentored kids that seem to run into the same problems with every new opportunity that God blesses them with, right? <laughs> what about those kids that have phenomenal talent? Smart, engaging, charismatic, these things, but they keep running with class clowns or some of these beautiful young women that have potential to go as far as they can think, but they keep ending up with the wrong guys. A lot of that thinking has been shaped by this narrative of what we're willing to stay true to. So for you, here's my question. Was mentorship something you asked God to give you? Or was this like God's grace kind of stepping in in your situation and helping you to actually maximize this blessing he gave you? Yeah, so I, I, I think it was it was gradual, but it was quick. And it's in the same the same way, because as I was saying, my first year, I'm telling you, you know, I, I, I went out, you know, I, I, I just tried to do, I guess, what other people, you know, just because I felt like this is this is what we do. Um, although I didn't grow up that way, although, you know, just that, that wasn't, you know, how I was raised from my parents. And I, that just wasn't the environment that I uh, was used to. But when you go into different atmospheres, different environments, sometimes if you are not that individual that take the lead on things, you will become a follower. 
that's kind of like kind of leads to where I am today, really. But we'll, we'll get into that later. But um, I think for me, you know, what happened with me was that the second year um, I had a gentleman. And I think I spoke about this before um, on, a, on another platform, like God sent another individual, Tom Carter. Uh, that was another cornerback. Um, he was a free agent in that second year. He came in it was, and they signed him to be um, the other corner. Um, and so uh, I began overtime gradually throughout that year. Because cornerbacks, defensive backs, we hung with each other. Say um, linemen hung with each other, quarterbacks hung with each other. That was kind of like the thing. And I know you probably understand as well it's from, the, from, from the military perspective. And so that's kind of like how it was. And so I think, you know, looking back, God kind of knew that because as I began to kind of become friends uh, of Tom and, and, you know, he invited me out to see his family, you know, he invited me out to different Bible studies, you know, things such as that. It was easier for me to say yes to because I'm like, okay, you know, this is an individual that, you know, we, we, we play the same position, you know, and so let's, let's, let's see. And I do remember at the same time doing training camp, um, I, you know, I said, is this it? You know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, is this all what the league is all about? You know, is this, I'm not satisfied, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not, you know, I, is this it, Lord? And so right at that moment, I just felt like I was in a downward spiral in training camp. And he just came up and um, he, he, you know, we was in dorm type of um, atmosphere, Plattsville, Wisconsin, a place of nowhere. Maybe that had a lot to do with it, too, because it was Plattsville, Wisconsin was <laughs> was nothing there. But um, but so, yeah, he walked um, past my room to my room and just said, hey, you know, we're having a little study here. Um, if you invite it, you want to come down. And I, I can remember it, it was the perfect moment because and it's like God kind of knew. And so I went there, you know, went to it. It was a little different, you know, uh, but at the same time, over time, you know, I was beginning to see this individual, you know, who he stood for and what type of lifestyle he had. I began to visit his family. And I'm like, okay, on one side, I have a, see a lifestyle, I have a lifestyle of hanging out with individuals that's going out, clubbing. Um, they, could, they could do that. I just couldn't. And then I seen another individual that, hey, family, I said, you know, have kids, settle, calm. And I had to make a decision. I said, this is what I actually want, <laughs> really. And so that kind of became an influence in my life. So since you brought up such a good point, I want to turn the corner just for a moment and have an honest question. And this is probably more for me than for you, but... It's about perception. So as God is bringing you and evolving you and maturing you in some areas that now things that you used to do is no longer part of your lifestyle, I'm sure the perception of you changed to those around you. And that goes back for me growing up in the church because we were kind of taught things differently as far as the way we engage day by day. There was a target on our back. People branded us. They looked at us differently, right? It's like, man, church boy. On my Jamaican side, they called me the son of a preacher, man. But to that point, when a lot of times when people don't understand the changes in you, they fight you. So I, my question is, 
did you have to deal with any perception changes and how did you handle that? Actually, I didn't experience that at all, to be quite honest. I think just being, you know, first round draft pick on the team, you know, obviously that was the first year, you know, coming in, um, being one of the guys that, you know, some players looked up to or saw as, you know, just an influential individual, I guess, out on the field or in the locker room in my own way. And then once I made that transition over time, I I didn't meet any type of um, challenges from other individuals. I was was so on fire and I was hungry for information. I was hungry for the knowledge. I was hungry for, you know, what um, I was learning through the word, through an individual, through a lifestyle. And I knew that that's what I was wanting. Because when I, when there's something that I, that I see and I like, I go at it hard. Once I figured out, I go at it hard. And so I was, I dove deep into, you know, uh, biblical things, scripture things. And I wanted to make sure that I was, my lifestyle was reflective of, of that as well. So I was that guy that brought the Bible in the locker room, um, in the shower, everywhere I went. I was that individual. And so I didn't really get any kickback. I think I was more of an influence to others, really, um, during that time. So I, I didn't think too much about what people thought. It was just, this is just what it is, you know, and I, you know, I carried that thing with me everywhere I went, really. And I remember playing with the Indianapolis Colts um, and had my Bible with me. And um, one of the players was like, hey, you know, you take that everywhere you go, don't you? I'm like, yeah. So, um, so I remember that quick conversations uh, that I had with that individual, but it showed me that people watching you, you know, but I, I was just locked into my own zone. You know, what's funny is I'm a big 49er fan and you played for the 49ers. But to hear you talk about your time in Indy and just the impact that it had on your life. You know, one of the blaring points I get out of your time in Indy with Dungy is, first of all, the kind of person that Dungy was where he was teaching men to be accountable. He was teaching men to be men of valor, men of strength, men that drew strength from the source, which is God and not from the things around them. I think Warren Sapp gave one of the best analogies from some of the things in that field that he got. So if you can just kind of guys that are listening, go Google it and he'll tell you some important things. But as big of a person as Dungy was, what's also blaring to me is just how much of the seeds that Dungy was planting in you during that time in Indy. I see it growing now. I see it growing like a lot of the platforms that you're doing with like men matters with your huddle 27 cam where you're pouring into these boys. Why is this important to you now is kind of where I'm getting at. Why? What made sense about what Dungy was teaching? And now why is this important that I see you replicating this in your own ministry? It's interesting you said that about Tony Dungy because even as I was um, just thinking about that even now, I was young. I was so young and, and it didn't take so much root in me at that time. Although, you know, I, I, you know, I was trying to walk the walk, you know, of faith and things like that. And it was interesting how God directed me to be on the team with Tony Dungy and was able to kind of see him, see how he, what he represented on the field and off the field. So that was a positive influence on me 
And I think, you know, it really didn't trigger like it, 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 it should have triggered. I wanted it to trigger then. Um, it triggered years later uh, for me. You know, even, you know, just my life and, and seeing some pitfalls that I had personally, even with my own life, you know, and family, things such as that. Um, and then I was able to kind of get back going and realize, man, this thing here, family became becoming a man um, that our position is so important. And, and um, I think for me, as I look back, man, all of those experiences that I had with, you know, the men that was in my life from coaches, from players, it didn't take root being or it may have taken root then, but I, I didn't see the fruits of it until now, to be quite honest. Let me say it that way. Those were seeds that were planted, but eventually it took root because it took experience for me as well to be able to see that men are important. Um, and without the man taking lead the way God has created us and called us to do and to be, and because that's his design, it, it, it is, it, it creates havoc on society, really. And it is, it is hard for families because that's his structure. So, you know, as I look at, think about this, you know, it, it's so important that we as men be what we're called to be, do the things that we're called to do because without us, and we see, we look in our own communities today, and I know you know this, we look in our own communities today, you know, we don't see men are missing, whether we're in prison, whether guys are just kind of doing their things. And, and we, we leave all the work to the women, to the mothers to do, uh, to take hold of such a huge responsibility. And we're not present. And because of that, we see a lot of these challenges that we have in our communities, in our homes. And so that's my biggest fight today is to help men to understand that we matter. To help men understand that our our role that we play, our God role that we play is so important in society today. Because we can talk about, we can complain about things, we can look at it and see what's not right, but we have to do a self-check in our own lives to see exactly how am I living? What what can I do in my own personal life to be a, to be uh, an example for my influence, for them, for my atmosphere that I'm in? So that's kind of, you know, that's, that's the, that's where I am today. And, but just looking at the coaches and people like that, they sowed the seeds that I now see the results of today. So, yeah. 10, 10, 15 years from now, when some of the seeds you've planted through like your huddle 27 football camp or your men's matter platform, or a lot of the mentorship that you travel all over and you provide, what are some of the things you want some of the young men, especially that you poured into to say about the impact that you've had on their lives personally? You know, all I really want them to be able to just do and say is that Walt helped put me back on a, on a, on a better track that he helped me to, to see myself as somebody that that matters, because I think a lot of times, you know, with culture, with society, with everything that 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 young people are facing today, there are so many distractions out there. And those distractions are only there to get you off course of what your God purpose is, 
what your purpose is as a young man to be an impact in society today. And so if, if there's anything that I want individuals to see or to say is that, you know, he helped put me back on, on the right track or gave me a perception or perspective uh, that I never had before that my household never gave me or he, he showed me some things that I was able to understand to help me be a better young man. That would be uh, one of the things that I would love to say, as well as help me to see God as who he is. That's really the most important thing for me when I think about it. So, yeah, I would love to, to for that. Nothing else for that to be a legacy that I've carried. I can definitely dig that wall. And as you're talking about putting people on the right course, I do have to know for those that are listening into this and that are really intrigued by some of the things you're saying, how, how can they find you? What are some other ways they can engage and be a part of supporting some of the things that you were doing also with ministry? Yeah, you can always, um, you can go to my huddle27.com. That's, that's the huddle that, um, that we are doing. We just initiated it, uh, earlier this year. Um, you can go there and kind of see some things that we're doing. We're getting ready to, to kick off, um, a couple of camps next year to where we're working with young boys on, on the field and off the field. I'll be doing one in my hometown and another one back in, um, Florida again. So I'm trying to hit two locations there. Um, you can also find me on, on, you know, Facebook, you know, the real Walter Harris and Instagram, the same as that, you know, I'm, I'm not a great, a big technology. I think I was sharing that with you before on one of the posts or whatever. So I, mm-hmm. I got a lot of work to do. And I see I need to get with you to get some training because you got this podcast piece here, man. I'm loving it. But uh, definitely you can find me there as well as officialproplayers.org, uh, which is my ultimate foundation that I have there. If you want to support, you know, just just see what we're doing. So one of the unfortunate parts of having a podcast that's um, that's aired on the radio station is we only have 30 minutes to do our part. So we're just now getting to the part of the conversation where I feel like, man, we've got 30 more minutes we can cover. But I would not do that to you today, my good friend. But as always, every time I get a special guest on this platform, I always have to leave him with one final question. If you're ready, I'd like to proceed. But my question from me to you is what is something you know now you wish you knew when you were younger? I think for me, that's a good question, really. Because, you know, I, I won't say I hate these questions because I know I, I because I, I, I think deep and just try to pull as much. If I knew then what I knew now. I think um I think just the importance of just same thing I'm reiterating, the importance of what I do. The importance of what I do. Taking that even more seriously because people are watching um and, and everything that we do out in society and home, everything that you do, it does it does really matter. And so just gravitating to that on a level to where I'm more careful because I'm sure just the things that I have done in, in my past 
has created a negative impact or a positive impact. And so that would be one of the things that I would just say I would, um, I wish I knew the end more than um, what I know now. So, hey, this is the End Zone Club. If you were hearing this podcast and you're enjoying today's conversation, I encourage you to like, share, rate, subscribe. Also, don't be afraid to hit the support button at the very top by giving just a little bit of support. You help us to do what we do in the community and also to spread the word to the four corners of the world. And as always... Until next time, be blessed, and this is another episode of the End Zone Club.